Well, we're here <laughs> in New Jersey. Is this my vacation home now? Do I live here now? Where do you like to vacation? Uh, New Jersey. Because <laughs> that's where our studio is. Can you pitch in for my taxes? Because it's a little bit crazy. I think we're close enough. I have your social security number and your nudes. And it's my enough. location. Yeah. We're too close. <laughs> Hi, Joey. Hello, Yellen Marsh. Hello, DBs. And welcome to I Think Not, the podcast where we recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows episode by episode, relive our trauma, complain about our lives, and hope that you guys like it. I never complain. Nor me. <laughs> What's up with your life, my love? Um, Nothing much. No. Everything's just normal. No, I, not, nothing has changed at all. I'm fine. Still gay? <laughs> Still gay. If you would like more of our religious trauma and horrible relationships, just listen to this episode because just, we're really about to tap into it. You can also join us on the Patreon where we have just now added a new tier. That is right. You can get loads of bonus episodes every month for just $5. We give you four bonus episodes. That includes three episodes of whatever show we're working on, plus a true crime adjacent show that is slowly turned into the love of my life. Life that holds me close at night when I sleep. And there are other tiers that give you ad-free our close friend circle, which has been lit lately. It sure has. And our new tier, the Hallelujah What's, What's a to ya? That is where we are offering now one bonus episode on top of our bonus. It's a bonus bonus episode called Swamp Talk, where swamp we talk, we're talking talk in the swamp. Swamp talk, 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 switch from the melody to the harmony. I know that was how stupid. dare you. So it's basically where we talk about anything we want to, pop culture, hot topics, and also we are offering access to our Discord, where we will have one watch party a month. We're going to watch movies. We're going to watch docs. We're, we're watching Clue tonight. We're watching Clue tonight. We are recording from my basement. And tonight we are watching Clue with all of our down bitches probably getting, you know, enjo- enjoying whatever it is adults can enjoy. Yeah. In the words of some 90s club song. 90s. But we're so excited to do more, give back more, see you more. And the reason Joey is here is we were just finishing up creating our live show. If you are in New York on October 10th and we don't see your beautiful faces to hug and kiss, we're going to be mad. I'm just kidding. Don't be mad because I said I'm going to be mad. But it will be a good time. We are basically workshopping our brand new show before we hit October. October before Fest. we. Do you know how many times he says Oktoberfest? He really does say Oktoberfest all the time. I Fest. So. Hello, welcome to Oktoberfest. <laughs> we're like, I think we're in the wrong place. <laughs> we are workshopping a new show, and I'm going to give you one guess as to the, what the TV show is. I'm just going to tell you it's Joey's favorite. <laughs> and it's not Golden Girl. Gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> so please come and see us live. You can find tickets to that on our website. We have a blast. We say hello. We kiss and hug. We laugh. We cry. We hold your babies. Sometimes we take them. <laughs> it's a great you time. You heard it here first. This podcaster took my baby. It was really weird, but she's seem nice. No, so. one's, no one's worried that I'm going to take their baby. No, really. Absolutely not. Shall we get to the episode? Yes. We are covering Disappeared. This is our last Disappeared in the main feed. It but is. if you want more Disappeared, we sure as heck have it in the Patreon because we're doing 10 full episodes. Season 10, Episode 4, Long Drive Home, tells the story of the disappearance of Jason Landry. Jason Landry disappeared on December 13th, 2020. Oh, there's a wallet. 
he's completely naked where he's at. You get a 2 a.m. phone call from a highway patrolman that changes your life forever. His family is desperate for answers. I was the only one looking for Jason. And the car ran off the road right around this curve. Found his wrecked car. God, please be with him. Why did he miss that turn? Did something nefarious happen to him? It really is two separate questions. What happened to Jason? Where is Jason? Words can't describe that living hell. Thinking, is he lying in some shallow grave somewhere? That's all you can think about. Well, this is the episode, y'all. This is the episode that is going to put my therapy to the test of all tests because I have a feeling Disappeared will be pressing firmly on my trauma as our subject today, Jason Landry, is in fact a minister's kid. Have I mentioned that I'm a minister's kid? I didn't, but as soon as I saw it, I just wrote in my notes, Joey, take it away. (laughs) Buckle up. Because we're going in, we meet Jason Landry's father, Kent Landry, and the first thing he tells us with a mischievous smile on his face is this. Every college student is different, but Jason has always been, he's always been strong-willed. I think every minister, I don't want to say hopes for, but wouldn't mind an easy kid. I, I guess everyone wants an easy kid, but when you're a minister, there's a lot at stake and your kids can fuck your shit That's a whole ass meal of a statement. Anybody's kids can fuck your shit up. Yes, but when you are a minister and everyone is looking to you Mm -hmm. to be like the perfect ideal family and you're just finally like, fuck it. My son is gay. Yeah. (laughs) Gay! Why does your son have an earring? Jesus gave it to him. (laughs) He was born with that earring, actually. He was born with that earring. Thank you. Bless me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I certainly felt the pressure to be squeaky clean, polite, and a non-dick-sucking son. However, I had different plans. Lisa and I have been married 31 years. We have three kids. Jason's our youngest. My wife's a musician. I can't carry a tune in a bucket but he's always wanted to play any instrument. He's always loved it. He played the trombone, which seems the hardest of all the horn instruments. Where are the notes? Yeah, I know. I only ever really perfected the rusty trombone. Okay. You walked right into it. I really did. That is my fault and my fault (laughs) alone. Some lady was like, Ma, come listen to this show. They're hilarious. And she's like, did they just say rusty trombone? (laughs) And we lost a listener. Thank you for coming, me, Ma. Being a preacher's kid is, is difficult. So... I think there's just this pressure to be perfect. Going to church is not really optional when you're a preacher's kid, and that's uh, unusual in this day and age. You just said a mouthful, my friend. I feel the trauma rising. I, for a long time, had a lot of resentment toward my parents Mm -hmm. for a lot of things, for a myriad of things. Everybody has that, you know, at some point. But I was really frustrated that I was never given the space to figure out what I believed, what made sense to me, to ask questions. Because the way I was raised and all the church folk I was raised, it's like, yeah, you just have blind faith, baby, and Mm -hmm. you don't ask questions. And I'm like, I I can't accept that. And I actually look at being gay as a gift because I was handed a way of life. My political beliefs, my religious beliefs, my social norms, gender norms, and I didn't fit into any of them. 
because of inherently who I was. So it forced me to ask questions. And I'm grateful for that because I wonder where I would be now if I was like, you know, straight or something. And I had just fallen in line. Well, you being gay is a gift to me because we most certainly wouldn't be friends because we would have had sex sometime in like 2006 and then we would have never spoken again. So I'm grateful you're gay. You think that? I'm I'm grateful you're gay and I really believe that. You know what? (laughs) You don't know about this addictive dick. They call me that addictive dick. They come back for more. (laughs) This was his first semester at Texas State. Finals were just wrapping up and he was coming back for Christmas. So, you know, kind of looking forward to the week and uh, all the different things you've got going on in life. My name is Jack Frank. I've known Jason Landry since childhood, and he was also my next-door neighbor here in college. That must have been so cool. When you go away to college, I didn't know a soul at my college. I went from California to Boston. So just to have that one familiar face and live next door must have been so comforting. When you go to college and you're just this, you come from wherever you come from around the country, and then you're in this big old pond. It's so scary. It is scary. I know that when I went to Bible college, I didn't know anybody there. The only person I knew was... Was the Holy, the Holy Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> oh, Joey, it was great to see you there. Thanks, Holy Ghost. <laughs> so it's December 13th, 2020, and Jason had plans to drive home for Christmas. Jason's game plan was to go home and then just be home for winter break. He said, I'm going to hit the road back home. And I sent him a text asking him to get some sleep before he hit the road. And he sent me a text saying that I'm all good. I appreciate you looking out. And that was the last I got to hear from him. So now we meet Jeff Ferry, who is, wait for this mouthful, the captain of the Criminal Investigation Division of the Caldwell County Sheriff's Office. Excuse me? Yeah. Can we abbreviate this? But here's the gag. I wouldn't even let this man squeegee my windows at the gas station. (laughs) December 13th, 2020 was a Sunday night. A volunteer firefighter is driving down Salt Flat Road and he encounters a vehicle with his driver's side against tree line, a fence line. Got some driver's side damage. Headlights are on, sees that it's unoccupied. Apparently the driver was able to kick out the window in the back. The volunteer calls a Caldwell County dispatch. And so a Texas Highway Patrol trooper ends up responding about an hour later. Casual hour later. What were you singing Christmas carols at the Salvation <laughs> Army? He's like, hard cover. One second, I have another verse. Hard cover, bells, sweet song. I'm the alto line. I'm the only alto. An hour? Yeah. You were like four miles away. I hate that. I'm sorry. I just, I think of Zoe Campos. I think of all these people. It's like, wh- what were you doing in this tiny little town? Yeah. Please just go do the thing you're supposed to do, which is take care of the emergency. Please just take care of the emergency. Even if you get there and it's not an emergency. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. What I will say, I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit. And I know you love that. I know that's your favorite. I was like, you know what? I hope Joey plays devil's advocate with me today. It's so fun. Go on. I'm going to say because it's a small town, I think that they don't have as many resources as they normally are, as as other towns would. Okay. So maybe I'm not saying it's an excuse. You heard it here on I Think Not. Joey hates everyone. (laughs) He kind of drove up and down the road looking for the driver of this vehicle, especially because temperatures are dropping. It's cold. We've got a pretty significant weather event blowing in that night. But he doesn't find anybody. He does encounter some clothes, which is very unusual. The clothes are about 900 feet to the south. 
He's completely naked where he's at. Those articles of clothes are strewn about the roadway in sequence consistent with voluntarily disrobing. Then he finds the backpack. Oh, there's a wallet. White male. Probably a college kid. Oh, my goodness. Make a note, approximately 10 marijuana blunts located inside a prescription bottle. So they're thinking whoever drove this vehicle must be intoxicated or really hoarding their marijuana and not sharing it. Yeah, but I'm also like, you don't know that he was smoking it. He could have just had it I on him. I thought the same thing. I mean, I think they took one look like, uh, yeah, that's a jazz cigarette. Yeah. I know a jazz cigarette when I smell one. He'd probably been smoking them and he drove into that old over there yonder fence. There wasn't any indication that he had smoked. There was also no indication that anyone had died. There was no blood near the scene or anything like that. I mean, bottom line, they're thinking this is a college kid who got too high and wrecked his car. But I'm like, why are his clothes and backpack out here? Yeah, I Even think, if you think that. I think that the best exercise you all can have is jumping to conclusions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's 2 a.m. and we hear Jason's poor mother oh, gosh. get that call. Hello? Mrs. Landry? Yeah? My name is Trooper Flores with the Texas Highway Patrol. Okay. The reason I'm calling is I'm currently at a uh, crash scene involving a 2003 Nissan Altima golden color. Okay. I suspect Jason may have been driving this vehicle. Oh my gosh, okay. So the cops aren't panicking. The cops are like, so I guess we'll just tow this car away. He's somewhere high and naked. This makes total sense. I'm also just like, sir, it's 2 a.m. These are his parents. They're terrified. A really made me angry the yeah. way he spoke to these parents he was like yeah well i'm like what is this dukes of hazard <laughs> and papa kent springs out of bed he yeah. drives from houston to where the car is and papa kent gets to the scene and he's like but there's nothing on this dark highway you know i'm almost tolluling and i figure there are people searching i figure there are sirens there's cops walking around with the spotlights on there's nothing out there My wife, Lisa, calls me and says, they towed the car. I'm like, can you call the highway patrolman and get the exact location? She called the highway patrolman and she woke him up because he had gone home and gone to bed. I found the accident site and that's when I found his clothes. And he's like, did anyone want to, I don't know, maybe pick up these clothes, put it in as evidence? This is my son we're talking about here, people. Yeah, I, I, the fact that they left his clothes just strewn about the road tells me how not seriously they took this case. They well, were like, they this had, is... They had ra- the rice pudding party to get back to. Oh, right, yeah, They had course. the rice pudding party back at the church hall to yep. get back to. We're baptizing Ethel today. <laughs> it is literally that moment where you're like, this is my worst nightmare yeah. as a parent. I just felt they were so blasé. They're like, listen, it was Sunday. It was late. I had a little bit too much of Sally Moses's rhubarb pie. They really, you guys, they just took the car and left. Yeah. That was it. So now we see Papa Kent's camera footage. And the car went off. You see the wheels and hit down here by this tree and fence. I mean, I was a lawyer. I'm not stupid. I know what evidence could be, but they don't work the scene. That's my personal opinion. They don't do what everyone has seen that they do at an accident site. I'm about 20 feet ahead. This is his flip-flops. And then we hear the captain say, Thankfully, Mr. Landry documents that prior to picking him up. He takes video of all that. You mean to say 
thankfully he did our Your job. job for us. Yeah. Thankfully he had the wherewithal to know that all this shit is evidence. Thankfully he had the knowledge to know that this could help somehow find out what happened to his son. Yeah, thankfully he knows what to do and your boys were just there doing the bare minimum and this poor man is missing his son. Honestly, I'm telling you, th- th- the bar is in hell for these oh, cops right now. Absolutely. I wouldn't visit Luling, Texas to anytime soon if I were you. Now, let me remind you. <laughs> Someone listening had a vacation. They're like, Carl! <laughs> Carl, cancel our Thanksgiving plans. It's a mess over there. I hear the rhubarb pie and Luling is not to be trusted, Carl. <laughs> and in fact, Papa Kent echoes my sentiments because he says, This still pisses me off, to be honest. It's your job to do the most basic thing. Yeah. The most basic thing. Papa Kent sure did. Yeah, let me remind you, it was 30 degrees outside with 20 knot winds. If this guy is naked somewhere, he's in trouble. Why weren't the cops looking for him relentlessly? Remember, we learned this in the disappearance of Daniel Robinson, who had gone missing in the desert, Mm -hmm. and they found his clothes as well. Like, he had stripped naked. And they said in that episode... But they also believe that he had a severe head injury. And once he got out of the vehicle, he shredded his clothes because the brain injury make you feel hot. And you feel hot and you shred your clothes. And I wonder if that was the case here, that he got so hot he stripped down. Yeah, totally possible. So now Papa Kent has Find My Phone on his cell phone. Y'all pause this podcast right now and go put your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors, your gay best friend, yep. the lady you really like at the CVS. Your cousin put, Plukey. You just put everyone's location in your phone, even if you don't love them and you just like them. A lot. Yep. Can I get your location? Why? Just don't ask questions. I need the information. <laughs> I host a true crime podcast. Give me your phone. <laughs> Just send us your location. We'll watch you. Yes. <laughs> Who's got your location? My podcast besties. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I had to find my phone for Jason so I could see that his phone was at the tow lot where the highway patrolman said the car was towed. When I found his wrecked car, it's just kind of chaos. In a, in a sense of of your emotion, your emotions. God, please be with him. And again, it's like preschool coppery over here. There's no evidence of where Jason is, and so there's nobody looking for Jason. And so Mr. Landry does what anybody does: calls the police and says, "Hey, what's going on?" Texas Highway Patrol then realizes, "Hey, we should get a search team together." Hey, you guys. Hey, I was just that car? Uh-huh. I'm just thinking out loud, should we get a search team together? You should run for president. You are very smart. Let's take a vote. All in favor of doing that search team thingy? Raise your hand. Say aye, aye. Okay. Hey, hey. I guess we'll do that. Yeah, let's get a search team together. Yeah. On December 14th, they bring in Texas Search and Rescue, aka Texar, and they search several acres of land. Right near where the car was wrecked, there's a hillside, and on the other side of the hill is a retention pond that's maybe a half acre big. And all the search dogs keep hitting that he went into that pond. Every hair on my body stood straight up when they mm-hmm. said that. So they get dive teams to search the pond and they bring out sonar to image the pond and they actually get permission to drain it. And they have these like big, massive pumps. But then I was like, what are you going to find that the divers and everybody you drained? That seemed like a wasted resource to me. I have no idea. And it takes a long time to drain it. Yeah. And the pond. dogs kept hitting on it, but there was nothing in it. When when the divers went down, the sonar and Papa Kent just sits here relentlessly breaking my heart. Words can't can't describe that living hell. Just 
waiting, waiting for the axe to fall, thinking any moment you're going to hear that they found your child. I said, Dad, your primary responsibility is just to protect your kids. And I failed. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I understand that. I mean, there's nothing you can do. I understand that feeling because that is it's like our only responsibility. But this man just breaks my heart over and over again. Yeah. So now we go back in time to December 7th, 2020, just about a week before Jason's disappearance. And childhood friend slash college neighbor Jack says, I saw Jason every single day the week prior to his disappearance. That Monday started off completely normal. Like he was the person I'd known him to be and was just doing his day-to-day routine. He spent a lot of time in his bedroom, especially just with online school. Our campus life was just looking at a monitor that semester. Our social life was uh, pretty lackluster. You know, I wanted to take a moment because we sort of touched on this in the Daniel Robinson episode. I was not in college, but I did have students that were in college. And I think that these kids had a completely diminished college experience with COVID. I mean, college is supposed to be the best time of your life. You're supposed to be partying and making bad decisions and having fun. And you don't get that social and emotional support. It must have been so hard for people at that age to make that COVID transition. I actually have a couple statistics. In my research, it says college students faced 60.8% raised levels of anxiety and depression, 54.1% of raised feelings of loneliness. And many also reported that a lot of those worries were like not only for like their health and, you know, their isolation, but a lot of their loved ones being away from their elderly family. It just must have been a lot. And then that next year, there were 22 percent fewer high school graduates immediately attending college after high school. And then there was a 29 percent drop in college enrollment. And that number even skyrocketed in lower income areas. It was a lot. It was a lot. And the thing about Jason is Jason was very extroverted. Some people need the energy of others. They don't do well on their own. I need the energy of other people. I need the energy of people I love. And like, I I need that back and forth. And from what they tell us, Jason was very much that way. And so toward the end of this week leading up to his disappearance, a childhood friend Jack noted, he was like, I started noticing Jason was relying a lot more on smoking. I knew that Jason over the days up until that point hadn't been sleeping and eating properly and had only been smoking. That's when I started having concerns for him. You know, all that stuff, you can do it for a day or two, but it catches up with you. It really, really makes me feel for those students, those college students just alone in their dorm. Now back to the investigation, they start the forensics on his car and they go through his car and they process it for fingerprints. We became very aggressive in our investigation. Oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for getting aggressive on the investigation. I wish you could have done that in the first 24 hours. That captain, he just kept pissing me off. He negotiated his way onto this earth. You know what's funny about him is is that I was like, oh, I know this guy. I mean, I grew up in the South. I know smooth talking Southerners who are like, well, if I just keep talking like this and I sound smart, I'm I'm just going to keep on going and I'm going to use a big word every once in a while. Yeah. And then you're going to know that I know what I'm talking about. And like, you don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Thanks, Alec Murdoch. Looking at all the evidence we've collected, we can document every second of Jason's travel from his apartment in San Marcos, the entire route into Luling, where he, we believe he misses his turn. We have every 
second accounted for. And then Jason has a single vehicle collision, but we don't know why. So now we get to February 2nd, 2021, and Jason's been missing for two months. And the media has picked up this story in a real way. There are Facebook groups that are also created to bring awareness to Jason's disappearance. They put up a giant billboard with his picture on it, and the family is just waiting. Then they talk about something really, really morbid. We know that the area where Jason goes missing has a lot of wild hogs. And these are two, 300 pound critters. We know that there is a wild hog problem in central Texas. I know that's a thing, but I didn't really know the extent of how much it was a thing until I researched it. And I found a headline that said, wild hogs eat humans more often than people would expect. I don't like that headline. No, I don't like that headline either. That's the thing. Like, I grew up, my dad was a hunter, and he and my brothers used to go hunting for all kinds of things, depending on the season. And one of them was wild hogs. A wild hog will fuck you up. Yeah. They're very aggressive. They're very territorial. And here's the other thing. They will eat most things. They will eat most things and they can chew bone. And I actually found a bunch of stories like this that happened. A man in Oregon who was sadly eaten by wild hogs in his own farm. So they basically were like, you know, if he passed out because he was smoking or something happens, there is a very significant chance that wild hogs might have done something to him. And that is awful to think about. And Papa Ken isn't really buying it. And he's also like, in my opinion, Caldwell County Sheriff's Office don't seem to want to think about a possibility that it's anything other than a one car accident and that Jason wandered off in the field and got eaten by feral hogs, period. There's nothing to be done in their mind because there's nothing left of Jason. Too bad. So sad. It, it would be. It's one thing to speculate that. It's one thing to have it as a fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Papa Kent was like, but what if there was another car? They're not even looking into the fact that somebody else might have been involved. What if this wasn't a single car accident? And this is where we meet a down bitch named Abel Pena, who used to work for the FBI, and he has worked on a lot of missing persons cases. Now, oddly enough, his daughter attended Texas State with Jason and was friends with him, was friends with him. Yeah, she dated one of his friends and said, you know, Dad, I know this guy. He's missing. He was warm. He was loving. We were pals. She was concerned and worried. So Abel was like, well, if I can be of any help, let me reach out to this family. And he offered his services pro bono. We're part of Project Hipsentis, which is a nonprofit. We've got a team of retired FBI agents, Border Patrol. We've got some other intel folks. So we're there to kind of provide that bridge between the family uh, of the missing and be there for um, assistance to to local or state authorities. Now, here's the thing. It's always when you bring a PI, you never know how it's going to go over with a sheriff's department or the police department. And the sheriff's office at first was like, all right, the more the merrier. Were they? Yeah, well, oh, they like, yeah, no, great. Bring great. in VIPIs, yeah. sure. Oh, you work for the FBI? Yeah, I didn't buy it. I know I'm, I already have like confirmation bias against this guy. I'm already just mad at him because I believe he's involuntarily celibate, but um, he, <laughs> it's been a minute, but it's so just because I don't want in- to. You're calling him an incel. Okay, <laughs> got it. All right. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. No, <laughs> I just, I'm mad at him. I'm mad at him. But anyway, Papa Kent was happy, of course. 
course he was happy to have someone else looking at it rather than the police because everyone with a new set of eyes draws a different conclusion. So of course he's so grateful for this added help. Also, I'm sorry, but the sheriff's office didn't exactly earn the Landry's respect or their trust yeah. because the way they handled those first hours, I'd be like, let me get an FBI agent in here. I'm like, well, you gonna get an FBI agent? Yeah. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go twiddle my thumbs and uh, eat some more rhubarb pie. I'm gonna go play cornhole. Can the FBI do this? And then he just does a cartwheel. Yeah. <laughs> One cartwheel. And then yeah. he throws us back out and he's in the hospital for a week. We started going door to door along Salt Flat Road and also along Austin Magnolia at the intersection. So we start talking to people. We start learning that there is a drug problem out there, a major drug problem. Many, however, were reluctant. They would say they know things, but were just too afraid to talk because of drug dealers nearby. We felt it was beneficial uh, to set up a, a tip line to receive uh, incoming calls from people that felt uncomfortable calling the police. We didn't feel that the tip line was gonna receive a lot of calls, but we did. And the consistency of calls about what happened to Jason that night was too overwhelming to ignore. They all said this was not an accident. Something bad happened to Jason. Some people did call in like sightings. They, they checked out tips in Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. None of them panned out. But a lot of people said Jason maybe was met with violence or that perhaps he wasn't even driving his car. Yeah. They think someone else might have drove his car and crashed it purposely. But then there's his car clothes it's very weird it's but a maybe lot were his clothes thrown there placed there strategically placed there but they followed every tip and all of the tips said that he encountered some dangerous people and it was not good the information we're receiving is that jason encountered individuals at that intersection of magnolia and austin street and something happened to him. Uh, but also, once again, they were like, I can't help you too much because this is a small town and yeah. everybody's family knows each other. Everyone is sort of intertwined in some sort of way. And I don't want to be retaliated against because if I tell you too much, snitches they will trace it back. Yeah, they will trace it back to Wait, me. Wait, did I say snitches get snitches? I knew what you meant, baby girl. Thank you. We're not sure what at this point, but something we believe nefarious happened to him. And also, did you notice that Abel was very, very careful with his words? Well, it's an open investigation. Yeah, and which he I totally that. respect. Yeah, but was... I was like, what else do you know, baby? Uh, yeah. Tell me. Just tell me. Just tell me. It'll just be between you and me. Tell me a secret. I will say, this is one of those episodes when you think, oh, it might be this. And then you're like, oh, no, it could be that. And then you go, oh, but it could also be this other option. It really just speaks to how complicated it is. And also, I'm really annoyed with these cops. I know. If you had just done more in the first hour or two, I know. they'd have so much more. You didn't even pick up his clothes. I feel like I would go to the worst case scenario in any scenario. Is it better to underreact or overreact? What do you do? Do I feel... And I would love anybody who works in law enforcement to reach out to me. Should we should we call Anthony Rakowski? Let's see what he says. If he doesn't pick up, this is going to be fucked up. And we're going to break up for the second time. You're hard to please. Why? <laughs> You're on the radio. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not the radio. You're on our podcast. We have a question for you live on our podcast. Are you ready? Do you have something in your mouth? A tongue? It sounds like that. It sounds like a dick. <laughs> oh, Do you... my God. You know what? That's not even nice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if it's not Joey's, he's going to be mad. Oh, my God. Okay, we have a question. I'm going to lay out the scenario. Car has hit a tree. 
there's clothes everywhere. Like a person has like disrobed. There's a backpack found. You know, it's like a young person and there's marijuana in the car. Do you overreact and think of like the worst case scenario first and then work backwards? Or do you underreact and then go to crazy town? That's a good question. Um, I, I, I think there's some standard, uh, some standard moves that are kind of made first before you choose one way or the other. I know about your standard moves. I got very bored of them very fast. <laughs> Keep going. So your first turn of thought then has to be, we need to find this person to make sure they're okay. How bad is the accident? You know, is the, how much damage to the car? Has the car been reported stolen? Where do we find this person, their family? If you make contact with parents trying to find them and they're like, yeah, he took off, he was mad or he was in a fight or he was going to meet somebody, you know, then you can kind of start to say, okay, is this a suspicious act or is this just simply an accident? The kid's trying to make his way home or did something bad happen to him? Well, let me tell you what they did and you tell me your reaction. Everything in his car, his backpack, his clothes were all outside of the car and all they did was tow the car and left everything else behind. Yeah, see, I wouldn't touch that car until I could make either contact with him or, or, you know, learn that the car had been reported stolen, whatever, because you you're look, you could be looking at a crime scene. Right? You know? Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, they just towed the car and his poor dad went and picked up his clothes, all the stuff that was left. They just towed the car. Yeah, that's not, to me, my opinion, right, is that somebody who just wants to fall into a routine. It's just another car. They're thinking it's just another car accident. Somebody ran away from it. And you always get caught, for lack of a better term, with your pants down that way. Right? I, I do remember your pants down. But, um... <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think that was handled correctly, in my opinion. Yeah, that's why you're the best. That's why we love you. Okay, we go, love you. Go back to your Saturday afternoon. Do you want to be in a thruple with me? <laughs> Ask Colleen if Joey can join your marriage. Of course she can. I don't even need that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we love you. You're the best. Okay, bye. Bye, babes. Well, listen, if Anthony Rakowski said that's fucked up, then I feel like I'm well within my right to say that's fucked up. I agree. It's just complicated because even Papa Kent got an email saying, Jason was disposed of by a wood chipper, like in the movie Fargo. And to think that they would send that to me, then you visualize that happening to your child. And I pray that that's not true. But then let's talk about the letter that Abel got on January 25th, 2022. I think this is crazy. I received a letter at my home address. It was a bit creepy receiving a letter that I had no clue who it was from. But it described in fairly good detail everything we've been hearing on our anonymous tip line. I paused and the letter said, I'm writing you in hopes that you can look into this. I heard that something that's redacted killed Jason and put redacted. A lot of people in Luling know this truth and they're afraid to tell their names redacted. They were hanging out during that time that Jason went missing. I would come forward, but I'm afraid because I know what they're capable of. Please look into this. Okay. Why would someone go through the effort? I know that there are hoaxes out there and everything. First of all, they didn't send it to the family. They sent it to a person who could actually solve and do something. Why would somebody who was just fucking with people write a handwritten letter? That seems like to me that someone was genuinely concerned, wanted to help, and had important information. Listen, do I think it's possible that that could be true? Yes. Do I also think that it could be a small town in a rumor mill where people get worked up? Do you know when somebody whispers something in your ear and it's it's like a little bug in your ear and then it becomes more and more until you 
you like absolutely believe it. And then later on, you're like, nope, this is what it is. And then one person could be like, here's a fact that completely, you know, you're like, I did concoct this. So do I think that it's possible? Yes. Do I also think that someone might have heard some gossip and is rolling with that? I think that too. Well, the thing that keeps making me mad is the cops are like, nope. They will not even open their minds to the possibility that he didn't meet his own end out there in the cold and the elements. Like, whatever other ideas that anyone happens, they're like, nah, we know it happened and that's what happened. We're sorry. The truth is, is that once private investigator Abel sort of really started leaning into what if his car was hijacked or he was met with violence, the sheriff's department was like, we're out. Well, it's my opinion The only way the private investigator's theories can flesh out is if you discount all of the hard evidence. And that that's really when we stopped having a relationship with the private investigator. Here's the thing. There was DNA samples and fingerprints taken from that car and they didn't run it. If they ran it, maybe you'd get a hit. You never know. But they were like that DNA evidence is not really evidence of anything. I mean, it's evidence that somebody else was in the car. Well, how many people have ever been in your car? We have to have evidence of a crime. Just do it. Just do it. What else are you doing besides eating Sally Moses's rhubarb pie? He's like, I'm watching old reruns of Hollywood Squares. That Paul Lint was real funny. Even though he was a homosexual, <laughs> he was real funny. Because true, a lot of people's prints might be in the car. Not on the steering wheel, though. Yeah. Who drives your car other than you or maybe like one of your friends? Because the idea was that something happened to him and somebody might have intentionally crashed his car. Just run the steering wheel, man. Why don't you want to do it? It's very weird. It is very weird. So the family just wants answers. And then we go all the way to one year after Jason's disappearance. And they have a really emotional vigil at the church. And there's one at Texas State as well. It's amazing how many people turned out for both of those. And to be honest, I wasn't in either one. I stayed out all night um, by where the accident was. Just by myself and Jason. And there's no good reason why I just needed to. And then the captain says, At the one year mark, we're still actively investigating. We're still looking for information. And we remain available to the Landry's if they have questions. But I think our relationship is strained. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? I, I think it was strained. You were you were in the weeds from the beginning. You never got out. And there was a cold case unit opened by the attorney general's office in 2021 that took Jason's case, which was not open and available when the accident happened, which, again, great new set of investigators, some fresh eyes, people examining the evidence. Maybe there was something that was missed. It's always a good idea. But that's sort of where the episode ends. And the sheriff's office maintains that what happened to Jason was not a crime. It was a tragic accident. And then Papa Kent leaves us with this story. Last time I saw him in person was he was walking out the door for Thanksgiving. And he's heading back to school. And I remember telling him, I'll I'll see you in a couple of weeks for Christmas. It almost doesn't seem worth it to give you a hug, but I'm so thankful I did. You know, I'm so thankful I told him I loved him. You know this story very well. The week before my dad died, I was on a phone call with him for about 45 minutes and we fucking cackled like it was old time and COVID definitely affected my family in a visceral way. My parents were very isolated and it complicated things. But I remember having that conversation because I woke up on that morning thinking I should call dad. I should call him. And 
we cackled. It was like that little boy and Peter putting a smile on Robin Williams' face and going, Oh, there you are, Peter. It was very that with my dad, and I'm so grateful for that. I just want to encourage you all, if there's someone that you love, if you wake up with them on your spirit or right now, if you're thinking about that person, give them a call. Tell them you love them. Work it out. Call people and tell them you love them. We're sending the Landry family all the love in the world, and like we are for all the cases, we're going to be donating $1,000 to the reward fund that is currently set for $10,000. The Cold Case and Missing Persons Unit does consider this matter an ongoing and active investigation and they quote continue to work diligently on the case i would like to know your definition of diligently when you have a second if someone could email me preferably the captain i'd like to have a couple words with you because these hands are rated e for everyone baby (laughs) i am very very mad anybody with possible or credible information is asked to contact cold case unit at oag.texas.gov. They're not even giving a number. They're like, you know what? Just have him email us. And all of our love is with this family. Where is he? Where is that sweet boy? It just, it breaks my heart. Say something funny. Well, we touched on my religious trauma today. Yeah. I got through it. Great. However, if we ever have to cover an episode that even remotely touches on the Lion King and the trauma I have after watching poor little Simba watch his father die, I I won't make it. When he goes under his don't, arm. Don't oh. say it. Yeah, come on. You gotta get up. Scar's a fucking dick. Thank you, everyone. This is our last episode of Disappeared on the main feed. You can catch all of the rest of season 10 over on our Patreon. You can find us there at patreon.com slash I think not with all kinds of other silliness. There's just silliness there. Please come and see our live show if you are anywhere near Philly or New York. It is truly makes us so happy to see you on stage is where we thrive. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be great. Tell them where they can find us, Joseph. That's right. Well, you can find us on all social media platforms at I Think Not Pod. You can also find me on Instagram at It's Joey Taranto. And you can find Ellen at Ellen Marsh, Ellen with a Y, on Instagram. You can follow our Facebook group. We have a good old time there. It is the I Think Not Facebook discussion group on Facebook. See what I did there? Let's see how many more times I can say Facebook. And also, don't forget, we're on TikTok. And if you are so inclined, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That helps us boost in the algorithm. Thank you to my fake ex-boyfriend, Anthony Rakowski, for always being our law enforcement angel. We love you so much. We love you, DBs, and we cannot wait to see you soon. I love you, Joey. I love you, DB Lamar. Love you, DBs. Love you, DBs. Bye. 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 To organize a search over several acres, ankles, several ankles, uh, including mine, several acres. Did you guys have like a yes, ma'am? Did was a ma'am a thing where you grew up? Was yes. that a thing? Yes, we said yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Really? Yeah. Because because you refer to me mostly as cunt face, <laughs> so I was just wondering where the ma'am went. That was I, after I, I. That was after I deconstructed got the, it, got with it, the religious got it. trauma. See what I did there? Yeah, it it is. It's clue. I, See that would have landed more if you would have been paying attention to me when I made that joke, Ellen. I'm sorry. I I tune out a lot. I just come back to earth. It's like bullshit, bullshit, my line. I'm like Ben Affleck in Shakespeare. You're like Patty Lapone in everything. In everything. <laughs> what? Is it my cue? <laughs> ah!